Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your faithfulness. So glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Hallelujah. Every time that we get the opportunity to gather together in his presence, we're strengthened. Every time that we come to hear the word of God, we have an opportunity to grow in our faith. Amen. And faith is our victory that overcomes the world. That's what we're about as a church, about making winners in life. You know, it says, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And then verse four says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. Amen. So another opportunity to grow in faith today. Hallelujah. Before I get in the word, I want to just acknowledge my wife for a moment. Um, Her birthday was yesterday. So (laughs) hallelujah. I just want to thank you for your sincere heart, your, your compassion for people. I thank you for just who you are. And I appreciate the gift that you are to my life. And I thank you for the gift that you are to this church body and this church family. I'm grateful for you and, and I celebrate you. And um, just thank you just for your, you're just, if you just know just her heart for people and, and just thank you for just your genuineness and how real you are. I love you. Happy birthday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Word says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> I got, I got the good thing. I got the best thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. To have your Bibles, uh, where, where are we going? Uh, go to John chapter 4. And last week, uh, you know, first service um, went a whole different direction. Uh, second service, uh, I ministered. Um, Lord, the, and the message of the Lord had really was ministering to me over a period of weeks. And I started a series, calling the series Focus. And, um, and that focus means fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. We, we, have to, we have to focus. You know, I just want to read this part of the prophetic word from Dr. Savell. He says, I plan marvelous things for you in 2021, abundant overflow. Oh, I missed a line, sorry. It says, I heard the Holy Spirit say again, yes, a new era is here. It's already begun. And I plan marvelous things for you in 2021. Abundant overflow is the order of the day, so rest assured it's on its way. Your adversary can't stop what I've already decreed, so stay in faith and get ready to receive. Allow no one to discourage you by what they say. Then he says this, keep looking to me and I'll have my way. Keep looking to me and I'll have my way. So over the weeks to come, what I'm going to be dealing with is this aspect of keep looking to him, but I'm calling it focus. Fixed. On Christ, unlimited supply. In the second service last week, I, I talked about something that Annette and I had in our hearts of uh, earlier in this month when we ministered to the victorious adults, and the Lord gave us both a the, the same um, the, the same uh, direction, so to speak. And we didn't we didn't talk uh, in, except for the night before. And I asked her, I said, "What what did the Lord place in your heart?" She goes, "This is the funniest thing." She's like, "The Lord told me to I want you to talk about wells." Talk about whales, okay? And I, I just kind of laughed, and I, I gave her a high five. And I said, so the Lord told me uh, to talk about whales. 
And I talked a little bit about that in, in, in the second service last week. And I talked about Isaac, how they were in a land of famine, but they didn't really need to be in a land of famine. Why? Because under the ground, there were springs of water. They were famine isn't the result of no food. Famine is a result because there's no water and because there's no water, there's no food. And, and, and all the while underneath the surface, there are wells of living water. All someone had to do was, was redig the things that had been, had been, had been dug before. And what happened? The enemy had filled in those wells and what the enemy had done had blocked up the avenue for increase, had blocked up the avenue for blessing to flow in that entire community. Underneath, there was an unlimited supply. And you need to understand, no matter what the enemy has tried to pour into your life, no matter what direction the enemy has tried to take your life, I want you to realize there is a well of living water available to each one of us. There is a well. There is a well. There's an unlimited supply of anything and everything that you have need of. In John chapter 4, And I don't have time to go back and review everything I did in the second service last week. But in John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus answered her, all who drink of this water will be thirsty again. You see, she went to a well not knowing she was going to encounter a well. She went to a well and, and not realizing subconsciously, not realizing that this has been a pattern in her life. And from the standpoint, not realizing that, you know what, I'm going to have to come here every day because I'm going to need water every day. But something happened when she went to this well, and I'm not going to go back and deal with some of the things I talked about last week, but understanding that Jesus said to her in verse 14, but whoever takes drink of the water that I will give him, see, this water, you're going to thirst again. But the water that I'm going to give you, you're never going to thirst again. Jesus was even speaking and, and, and dealing really something that he was even facing. Because if you read early in the chapter, it said that he stopped. He said, we must go through Samaria. And it said he stopped there. It said because he was hungry. He had a natural need, just like this woman had a natural need. But yet when he, but yet after Jesus ministered to this woman, the disciples show up with, with food and, and he and he says, I'm not hungry. He goes, what happened? He goes, he goes, he goes, I find my strength and my satisfaction in my father. So even Jesus stopped there because he had a natural need and the disciples went to go get something that would fill that natural need. But realizing ultimately was the only thing that was going to satisfy his life was going to be something when he tapped into the well, which was his father. And it's the same thing. And I'm not saying that you, you don't need to eat again. I'm not saying you don't need to drink again. But I, I want you to understand is, 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 it's a, you have to understand the spiritual dynamic here. Because Jesus deals with not just the thirst that the woman had naturally, but dealt with the thirst that she had in her soul. 
Going from relationship to relationship to relationship. And the man she was living with was not her husband. So ultimately, she had more than just a natural thirst. She had something messed up in her soul. And the only thing that would satisfy that would be the well of Jesus. Just a side note here. Third John says that, that I wish above all things. I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers, meaning I want you to prosper naturally and I want you to be healthy and whole naturally. But above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health, even as what your what prospers, your soul prospers. So I want to encourage you that as as you are whole spiritually, it will show up and manifest naturally. Most people want to prosper this way, but you need to first start prospering in here and prospering here. If you don't fix this, you'll never change this. Poverty is a mindset. Poverty is a curse. So understand these things. It's about prospering in here. And until we know what well to go to, you always be just just getting by or just this constant cycle of different things in your life. If you don't understand where do you find your unlimited supply? But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never, no, never be thirsty anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water, welling up, flowing, bubbling continually within him. Meaning this water that you're going to tap into, it's going to bubble up on the inside of you. Into, into for eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. I think I want to say that. Lord, give me this water. Whether you realize it or not, you need this water. Say that. I need this water. I'm telling you, this water will get rid of insecurities in your life. This water will cause you to be bold. This water will cause you to surrender in every area of your life. This water will give you wisdom. This water will give you direction. This water, this water will cause you to stand strong when everyone's falling back. This water. There's something different about this water. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. Verse 17, and this is where this series really is coming out of. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So I want you to receive revelation, meaning I want you to see something. And what you're going to receive is going to be knowledge of him. You know, that's what I need knowledge of him. Knowledge of him. Verse 18 says... Would the eyes of your understanding be enlightened? So when I have knowledge of him, the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. 
so that I could, it says that so, so I could say so that you may know, meaning, so I want my eyes to be enlightened so that I might know something. If I know something, then I can see something, not necessarily with these physical eyes, but see things with my spiritual eyes. That you might know the hope of his calling. You've got to see the hope of his calling. Your eyes have to be open to that. The next thing it says that it says that you might know the riches of the glory of this inheritance in the saints. So this is for me to see this, to see the hope of his calling, to see the inheritance. You have an inheritance as a believer. I grew up in church for many years early, but no one told me that I had an inheritance. There's some things that belong to me as a believer. There's things that I have right to as a Christian. It wasn't just wearing this label of Christian or whatever denomination I was a part of. No, there's something that I have access to. There's something I have a right to. There's something that I'm now a partaker of. And then my eyes would be open to this. The exceeding greatness of his power. I want my eyes open to that. I just don't want to be something that I talk about or something I dream about or something I think about. I want my eyes open to the exceeding. What would the exceeding greatness of his power look like? Wow. So our eyes to be open. But it all comes back to the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That our eyes would be open to him. Fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Now, let's look at verse 3 of Ephesians 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. So, our Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is blessed. Can you agree? Blessed. But then it says this, who hath blessed us. So, This one who is blessed, the one who is the blesser, (laughs) the one who obtains the blessing, he's blessed us. Who hath, now this is past tense, who hath, meaning it's already happened, who hath blessed us with all, say all, All. with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places (laughs) In Christ. The Amplified says this. May blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. You see, <laughs> Joseph's getting excited over here. See, now think about this. You, you need to understand, but, but this is in him. So, so I have to understand that when I realize that I'm in Christ, I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. There's not one thing that God is trying to keep from me. There's not one thing that is not available to me. He has already blessed everything that is in heaven. He has already blessed me with. And when I realize that it's found in Christ Jesus. He has blessed, he has already blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, this does not mean that I experience these things when I get to heaven. No, this means that the things that are in heaven are now available to me as a believer because I am in Christ. 
everything I have need of is that I have to be fixed on his unlimited supply. He is so Jesus, the Christ is so much more. He was so much more than a religious leader. He was so much more than a head of an aspect of religion. Colossians 1.19 says this. It says, it pleased the Father. It pleased the Father that all fullness would dwell in him. <laughs> the Father got excited. <laughs> The father was excited because he could say, remember Adam? Remember Adam and everything that Adam had on the inside of him and everything Adam had a right to? The father, it pleased the father. It pleased. You ever sit back and you just have... You know, just, you ate something really good. Mm, mm, mm. You know, you make sound effects. Mm. As Eric said last week, my, 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 my. Mm. We had a lady that used to sit in the back and went to, went to heaven not too long ago named Jean Daggett. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Mm. You know, and you hear something and, or you see something and, you know, maybe, maybe a sunset, maybe a place. There's places, Annette and I like to travel in places like we, that we go that, that a, a picture just doesn't capture it. And when we look at that, it's pleasing to our eyesight. It's, it's, it's something that, that it's like, it makes you say, wow. And I just hear the heart of the Father here in, in Colossians 1.19 where it said the, it pleased the Father that all the fullness could dwell in Him. That once again, I can have a vessel that I can pour myself into. The fullness. You have to understand, we have been given every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. But what happens is we so look to the natural to find our satisfaction. We're so tied into what determines whether we have a good day or a bad day. We allow, we allow, uh, uh, our spouse to shape our mood. We allowed, we allowed politics or news to shape our perspectives. We allow other people to, 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 to shape how we're supposed to think. We allow people to tell us what, what is this or what's that. And, and we allow the world to define things that, that God never wanted, wanted the world to define for us. And, and because of that, if there's an absence of trouble, then all of a sudden we're like, okay, well, it's a good day because there's absence of trouble. 
But my, 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 my life as a believer should not be based on whether there's an absence of trouble or not, whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. Paul, Paul had, had an understanding of this. He, he, and I'm not going to go into this aspect of his teaching, but he said, he goes, though, he goes, he, he talks about, he goes, though I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm cast down. He said, he goes, I'm not going to be destroyed. And, and, he, and he went on at the end of 2 Corinthians 4 and he says this. He goes, the things that we see are temporary. But the things I don't see are eternal. So as believers, just, just like this woman at the well, we may not see ourselves or say, well, I'm not like her because I haven't had five husbands. I'm not like her because of this, or I'm not like this person because of this. I'm not like this person because of this, but how many areas of your life are you trying to find your satisfaction in a world system? And oftentimes we only choose to fix our eyes on Christ when things aren't going good. And the understanding here that, that it's, it, he says, don't, the things that you see, this natural that you see, it's subject to change. Just, just look around. I, it doesn't matter how old a building might be. It's not going to last forever. I, I, we, I've seen, I've, I've been to Europe and we've seen churches that, that were built, uh, built in the, in the, in the 1600s. They're still, they're still standing, but, but they're not going to last forever. They're not going to last forever. Do you know how many times Jerusalem and Israel has been, had battles and, and they have built, they built Jerusalem on one destruction after one destruction after another destruction? Things do not remain. Things do not last as it pertains to this world system. But the things that we don't see, those are the things that are eternal. And that's what we have to fix our eyes on. That's what we have to fix our mind on. Go to Isaiah chapter 31. Isaiah 31. Thank you, Father. We have to be fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. The prophetic word said, keep looking to me and I'll have my way. This is a year of abundant overflow. But we have to keep looking to him. Man, so many different places I could go, but mm. I'm going to read this in the Amplified first. In Isaiah 31, verse 1, it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they're very strong. But they look not to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek and consult the Lord. He uses the word woe. Woe. It's like, this is, a, this is a, a phrase of caution. It's a, it's a phrase of warning. It's a, um, the only way I could really, when I study this word woe, is that it's an exclamation of grief. So the writer of, of this is writing from an expression of an attitude of an attitude of heart, and we know that they wrote 
based on as the Holy Spirit directed them. And the prophet's writing here and he's he's receiving the compassion and this heart of grief that 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 is associated with it. Whoa, whoa. This, meaning, meaning, come on, don't, don't, you've, you've got to model your life after something different. So he says, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. That, that's not meaning that, that natural things that, that we don't lean on other people from time to time or we, what it's talking about is, is, is you're going to all these other things and you're not going to God. Woe to those that go down to Egypt for help. Woe to those that, 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 that are putting their trust in, in, in all the horses because there's, it's just because there's a lot of horses or the horsemen because they're strong. But and then it says this, and they look not, they look not. They don't fix their eyes on. They don't focus on. They look not to the Holy One of Israel, nor do they seek or consult the Lord. See, so often we're trying to find those, our, our satisfaction in the world system. That's what he's referring to here. You're going to Egypt for help. You're going to horses because there's a lot of them. Or you're going to horsemen because they're strong. But you're not going to the very one that has the ability to bring you the strength that you need. Woe to you. Woe to you that go down to Egypt for help. The Passion Translation says this. Woe woe to those that run down to Egypt for help. Trusting in the might of their multitude of cavalry, chariots and riders. Their confident trust is not in the Holy One of Israel, nor do they consult with Yahweh. Yet he's wiser than them all. He can calm down calamity. He can call down calamity upon evildoers and never needs to retract his words. He will stand up against the wicked and those who protect them. The Egyptians are not gods. Now listen to this. The Egypt, why, don't go down to Egypt. Why? He says, the Egyptians are not gods. They're only human. Their horses are not supernatural. They're only flesh. When Yahweh demonstrates his power, the helper will stumble and the help will fall. And both will perish together. Hallelujah. I I love that. The Egyptians are not gods. They're just humans. We have to find our satisfaction. And find our strength. In the well of living water. Let's go to Numbers 21. Numbers 21. Thank you, Father. Numbers 21. I'll read this in the Amplified. And Numbers 21, verse 4. So they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And they became impatient, depressed, much discouraged because of the trials of the way. So here they're on their way to the promised land. And we know throughout time that they constantly wanted to go back to Egypt, right? You know, we, could, we could say the same. Woe to those that go down to Egypt for help. Here, they, they, and, and it said because of that, on this journey, it said they became impatient, de- depressed, much discouraged because of the trials of the way. Meaning as they were going to the promised land, they became impre- impatient and they became discouraged 
because of the way. Have you you ever been impatient or discouraged because of your way? (laughs) The journey you're on. Right. You're human. And a lot of times when things don't seem to be working in the natural, it can bring. And what they're doing is they have their eyes on the natural. And they, they took their eyes off the one who did the signs and wonders in Egypt. The one that got them out of Egypt. The one that divided the Red Sea. They got their eyes off on the one who was their source. The one that should have been their source of strength. So because of the journey and because of the way, they became discouraged. Discouragement is a, is a way in attack of the enemy. But discouragement most of the time comes in because we get our eyes off the, we get our eyes off the right thing and we place our eyes and focus on the wrong thing. Verse five says, and the people spoke against God. You see, what happens when you are meditating and looking at the wrong things, you'll start to try to find blame on blaming someone for why you are where you are, whether it's blaming someone else or blaming and 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 yelling at God for where you are. And it's just the natural progression of focusing on the wrong things that, okay, we're out here in the wilderness, things aren't working, and God, you're the one at fault to this. God, you're the problem here. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. It's that pastor you gave me. (laughs) And they say, why have you brought us out to Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water. And we loathe this light, unsustainable manna. They said there's no bread, but yet we don't like the one you've given us. There's no bread, but basically is we don't like the bread you've given us. And so what happens is, is because they're focusing on the wrong things, they're complaining. And they got their eyes off the one that had provided quail, the one that provided the bread, the one that provided water from a rock, the water, the one that took bitter waters and made them sweet, but sweet just by Moses hitting it with a stick. And they took their eyes off these things and they're focusing on the wrong things. Then what happened? It says, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now, it's interesting, it says that God sent fiery serpents. Now, what my study in this is fiery serpents were always there. It wasn't that, that it was all of a sudden that, that all of a sudden God created fiery serpents and said, hey, go get them, guys. The issue was, is they now became a product of their discouragement. They now became a product of their complaining. They now became a product of the environment that they were in. Now, because they were focusing on everything that wasn't right in their environment, now their environment was coming against them. But what was the answer? And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it up on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. 
And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. It's where we get our blue cross red shield emblem today. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And it, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. You see, when they got their eyes off their lack, got their eyes off the bread they didn't think they had, or the water they didn't think they had, when they got their eyes off that, and they put their eyes on the, the pole that Moses had lifted up, that same pole that represented the authority of God, that same pole that Moses raised and caused the waters to part, that same pole that, that threw down in Pharaoh's presence and it became a snake and devoured Jacobed's snakes, that same pole, that they took that pole and lifted up this serpent of bronze and put it on there. So everyone that would look at it, everyone that would, with a steady absorbing gaze, when they fixed their eyes on the authority of God. You see, that pole represented Christ. That pole represented the anointing. That pole represented the power of God. And when they fixed their eyes on that, instead of the lack, instead of the disappointments, instead of the struggle, instead of Egypt, when they got their eyes on the right thing, it said they would live. It said they would live. Let's go to John chapter 3. We have to fix our eyes on the right things. Keep looking to me and I'll have my way. Keep looking to me and I'll have my way. Thank you, Father. John chapter 3. Some more teaching this morning. So. Verse 11. John chapter 3, verse 11. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and we testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. Meaning you're not listening to what we're talking about. He's talking to Nicodemus. He's talking to a religious leader. He says, if I had told you of earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Meaning I'm telling you of things that happen naturally, and I'm talking to you from a natural perspective and you're not even receiving what I'm saying by talking about natural things. So how are you going to receive when I tell you of spiritual things? Verse 13 says, and no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, wait a minute. And no man has ascended up to heaven. So now he's talking about natural things and spiritual things. He, he wants them to see something. Why? Because they knew the stories of Moses. He's not talking to unlearned people here. He's talking to Nicodemus, one of the leaders of the, of the spiritual people of that time. So he knew exactly what Jesus was about to talk about. And he says, and no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Man, in the same way 
that, that Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness? Jesus must be lifted up. Jesus must be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Meaning the same, see, where are we placing our focus? Where are you placing your, your, your attention on? Where, what are you fixing your eyes on? Is it natural things or is it spiritual things? Is it your problem or is it the promise? Is it your healing or is it the healer? Fixing our eyes on him. So in the same way that Moses lifted up that, that serpent on the wilderness, even so Jesus must be lifted up. And all that would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, by him being lifted up and by me looking to him and see the whole reason that I can rest in the fact that he has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is realizing and knowing that he was lifted up for me. Let's go to John six. There's two more scriptures. John chapter six. You're receiving something this morning. Fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. What this comes down to today is being fixed on Jesus as my source. He is my source of the blessing. He is my source of everything I have need of. He is my source of eternal life. For the woman at the well, he was the living water that, would, would never, that she would never thirst of again. John chapter 6, verse 30. He says, Our fathers did eat manna in their desert. Now he goes back and he's talking about in Moses' day again. Our fathers did eat manna in the, wilder, in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, give us this bread. <laughs> Same thing the woman of the well said, give me this water. What did, what did they say? Give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you, 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 but I, but I say to you that you also have seen me and believe not. Meaning you see me, but you're still not believing. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will no wise cast out. I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of him that sent me. That of all which he have given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Now look at verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me. That everyone which sees the son. Say that with me. Sees the son. The King James says seeth. Say seeth. This means continually. Doesn't mean you sound spiritual. But TH is on the end because it's something that you continue to do. And it's something that you do perpetually. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that continues to see the son and believe on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. 
seeth the Son. Fixing our eyes on Christ's unlimited supply. Go to Acts chapter 3 and I'll close with this. Acts chapter 3. Hallelujah. We fix our eyes on Christ's unlimited supply. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Keep our eyes on Him. Keep our eyes on Him. And he will have His way. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? And why do you look so earnestly on us as though by our own power, our holiness, have we made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up. You denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And it says this, but you denied the Holy One and the just. And you desired a murder to be granted unto you. Now listen to verse 15. And you killed the prince of life. Whom God hath raised from the dead. And we are witnesses. You killed the prince of life. I love this terminology. Because the word prince. A prince in those days were the people. That's why Joseph was called the prince of Egypt. Because he is the one that would distribute the, the resources of Egypt. The prince is the distributor of what the ultimate ruler has released. He's the prince of life. God is the father. But Jesus was the prince of life. He is the distributor of life. Not only that word prince also means the author of life. If you're the author of something, then you are the source of something. So when they said this, they're saying, not only are you the author of life, not only are you the source of life, but you are the distributor of life. He said, you killed the prince of life. See, when we fix our eyes on him, our eyes are fixed on the author of, the source of. In the distributor of life. Now this life that, that I'm talking about is not just the life of the air that you and I breathe. And our life span between, for me, 1973 and whenever that ends. No, this, when I talk about the distributor of life, I'm talking about God's power. I'm talking about God's ability. I'm talking about his righteousness. I'm talking about his peace. I'm talking about his prosperity. I'm talking about his ability. I'm talking about his grace. When we fix our eyes on him, we're fixing our eyes on the source of everything we have need of. He is my source. He is my source of strength. He has, Vic, he has blessed me. With all, all spiritual blessings yes. in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want our eyes open to the impossibilities that God wants us to see happen in our lives. 
the things that, that, that man would say impossible, that through God, that they are possible. Thank you, Father. He is my source of supply. I want you to encourage you this morning that fix your eyes. Why, why can this be a year of abundant overflow? Why? Because I'm keeping my eyes on the one who has an unlimited supply. I'm keeping my eyes on him who has an unlimited supply. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the strength that it gives. We thank you for the the direction that it gives. I thank you that every single person watching here, watching by way of internet, that their eyes would be open to the hope of your calling, the inheritance that they have as saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power. Today, we choose to fix our eyes on our source. You are our source. We don't look to things. We don't look to Egypt. We don't look to the political system. We don't look to this world. We don't look to to family members. We don't look to maybe our friends or other people, our job. We look to you as our source. And I thank you out of that. I thank you that every blessing will flow in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You received that this morning? Well, give him a shout of praise, Joseph.